And what we're going to do, we're going to go into my next guest. And I want to know before I bring him in, well, I ask him the question once he comes in because this is Chicago's on. So, you know, in this Chicago family, we just say, hey, how you doing? Carl Seaton, what's going on? How are you this evening? It's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> Happy Tuesday to you, Mr. Seaton. What's going on? Chilling during this pandemic and, uh, you know, using this time wisely to, uh, you know, recover, prepare, and uh, strategize for the future. Uh huh. So. Speaking of yeah. strategizing for the future, I want to take you back. I'm sure you heard the song that we came in on, I'll Be Sure, Night and Day. As you know, we're, you, Andre Harrell passed away, as I'm sure you know, over the weekend. So we're playing music from that era. Now, were you an I'll Be Sure fan? Did you have a matching denim outfit back in the, in the 80s? Denim jacket, but I was big on the acid wash, guest jeans, with the Zodiac shoes, and Come the Zabo joints. Yes, I was, I, I'm very well-versed in that era. Bro. With the hot top fade to go with it. So, yeah, I, I know about that. Very well. My man, you said the Zodiacs. Come on now. Boy, (laughs) no one was ready for that right there. Acid wash. So did you shop at the Evergreen Plaza? Did you go to the Plaza, Carl? Because I know you lived in Beverly. I did the research. Was the Plaza your spot? Grew up. I grew up in West Pullman. Okay. So the hundreds. hundreds. Yeah, the hundreds. By the time we got to Beverly, it it was late 80s. But yes, we definitely shopped at the Plaza. We break dance at the plaza, watch yes. movies. Actually, the, the plaza changed my life, actually. Did it? Yeah. Yes, it did. Because I saw Do the Right Thing at the plaza. Uh-huh. And I came out of the theater. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah. At, and at, then, you know, the, I, I mean, I saw various movies at the plaza throughout my, my life until it was closed down. So, yeah, the plaza definitely has a, a, it will always have a strong, special place in my heart. So, yes, definitely the plaza. So, you know, I don't know if you've been over there to see it, Um. Have you seen what it looks like over there now, 95th and Western? Do a mall now? Yeah, it's a strip mall. I ain't even, man. Just the whole. The, the... It'll be where it was. Do you remember Christmas time at the plaza? <laughs> yeah, the with Santa in the yeah. court <laughs> down there by Orange Julius. This is Santa. Yeah, Orange Julius and the popcorn. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the original cookie company. Yeah, all that. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you, Carl, if you, you were something if you got your girlfriend, that cookie, the cookie with a with a name on it, the big circle cookie, that's what you want to get her. And and the button picture, if that was more than 90s. If you're really on your game, you get the cookie, <laughs> you get the shirts to match <laughs> upstairs. Come on now. Come on, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Come on now. The plaza was real, you know. It was a- Man. <laughs> That's Chicago and you take culture. Great American sport, that's the whole conversation. And take the keyhole picture, the one with the keyhole, the keychain, where y'all take the picture up front by the carousel. That you got, <laughs> you got to put that on your keychain. That's how you know. I, I have a story about the keychains too. So when we were doing my first film, one week, uh huh, we there was a there's a moment in the story where we use a keychain picture, <laughs> and we went to the plaza to take that picture. No, y'all didn't. For real, for real. <laughs> I saw I saw your movie one week. I actually saw. I'm trying to remember. I saw when it was out because I think a gentleman uh, was was that was Eric's last name. The actor Eric. I can't think. Was he in that movie one week? Was that him? Oh my gosh, I can't even think. The name you mentioned. Which which name again? It's it's Eric. I forget his last name. I think it was Kenny Young. And Eric Lane played his roommate. Yes, yeah. Eric Lane. Yes, I remember that. And I actually met Eric at the plaza, which is so crazy because, and no, it was at Ford City. And he told me that he was in this movie. And I was like, okay, excited for him. Ended up being one week. So I am just honored to to know the man behind that. And, Carl, that's just funny how we, we went back to the plaza. The movie theater was a phenomenon. Just like Hyde Park, if you were in that area, that movie theater was. And that's still there now. So Hyde Park movie theater is still there. The plaza by yeah. not being uh-huh. there. Yeah, it's not there anymore. But just the memories that you and I just went back to right there, that that did something to my heart. 
did something to my, my, my heart and my spirit. So, so you had the Hawk the Twin drive-in, all that. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Movie theaters. Definitely. I mean, because I remember seeing Boys in the Hood at the Hawk the Twin. At they the closed t- about a month or two later because someone passed over there. But, uh, yeah, these movie theaters definitely left Man. a strong impression, you know, in my life. Not, and not just the Plaza uh-huh. or uh, the drive-in, River Oaks. Yeah. Fort City. You know, all these theaters. Downtown, um, Burnham Plaza. On 8th and Wild Bands. Yep, mm-hmm. there, was, there was a bunch of them. So, yeah, movie theaters are definitely a part of my life growing up. You know, I saw the five heartbeats on 8th and Wabash. I saw that, and Robert Townsend came in at the end of the movie and walked through. Here we go. You know, it's just sh- Chicago, I think. Um, do you think that it gets its just due in the in the industry, Carl? Uh-oh, did I lose him? Hello? Hey, Carl. Yeah. yeah, I hear you now. Yep. Did you hear my question? Oh, it, it, Yes, it gets its just due, and then no, it does not. Okay. Because because Chicago is in the middle of the country, and, and what I've learned, I didn't re- realize this until I left Chicago, mm-hmm. but Chicago is considered a flyover city. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's, it's not one of the cities on the coast. It's not New York, L.A. So, And you don't necessarily have to be in Chicago to be in the entertainment industry, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, And then a lot of people, too, kind of get to the next level, like Common and, and R. Kelly back in the day, all these artists that went on to have flourishing careers had to leave the city yep. to kind of get legitimized. So that's where it works against us. Now, it works for us because we all got that Chi-Town hustle. Mm-hmm. We all got that blue-collar Chi-Town work ethic. So when we get an opportunity, we maximize that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And also, when we're from the crib and we do something of, of note, we never forget where we come from. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Chicago is a proud of what we, we are proud of being from Chicago, and we don't, we don't let anybody forget where we're from. We're constantly letting, reminding folks where we're from and how we got here and what we're made of and what we're built of. So yep. it had, like I said, it has its pros and its cons. Okay. And and that flyover city, break that down. People just, I, I like, I, I want to know more about us being a flyover city because I know from firsthand experience, I had to leave, you know, to, to get back, back on the media front because by us being market three, it's kind of like, okay, you got to go back and, you know, then come back here. So the flyover city, we just... Yeah, so to clarify that, because a lot of people take that as a slight or as an insult, and it's not an insult. Yeah, it's, really based, it's really based on economics mm-hmm. and industry, not even economics. It's based on industry because Chicago is still a very large market. It's just from an economic standpoint, the business isn't conducted in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, if, if, if you're directing TV shows and movies, you get hired in L.A. where the industry is. Same thing with music. Music is dictated on either coast, New York or L.A. You know what I'm saying? Now, a lot of revenue is driven in Chicago, but to get, to actually get the deal and, and get looks and be considered for things like that, you have to leave this, leave Chicago and go out to where those that, that industry is. And that's what makes it a flyover city. Okay. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people get offended by that. And it's not, like I said, it's not a diss to the city because, you know, we got millions of people there and our money speaks volumes, especially when we support artists and films and mm-hmm. so forth. It's just, you don't get hired in the city. I I understand it because, you know what I'm saying? yeah, being in the industry, I totally get it. I totally understand it. And I'm with you on that, Carl. And I, I think that it's good that you clarified it, but I know. And, and again, sometimes you got to leave to come back. And one thing that I love that about you is that um you never, well, I, I'm not going to say never, but staying focused on, on your dreams. And how how was that, you know, even leaving Chicago? Was it even a thought process like, man, I want to stay here or let me go do what I got to do, you know, and then come back? Because you're... You know, 
to, 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 well, first of all, to be honest with you, I was surrounded by like-minded individuals. That's so important. Uh, and had the same kind of dream that I had. But we were still thinking about being just Chicago-centric. It wasn't until Robert Townsend saw one of our shorts and said, you all need to be out here in L.A. where the, where the action is. Wow. You all are ready. You all need to come out here. Now, that's not going to be easy, but this is where you all need to be. And once he planted that seed in us, well, I mean, we had, we had already kind of had that idea, but he kind of gave us, once he said that to us, that gave us that battery pack in our back, and we just took that ball and ran with it and went out to the, out to the West Coast. I'm not saying that it was a fairy tale once we got out here <laughs> by any stretch. Right. But it, he was right in that, you know, there's, it's, it's like you can only go so far. You can only go so far if you, if you want to expand yourself. If you dream it big enough, mm-hmm. you got to go get it. And it's not necessarily always in your backyard. And him telling us that and us idolizing him, he said, okay, well, if this brother, not only is he telling us we have the talent, but he's telling us, like, here's your math quest. you got to get out here. So we just started making sure we went out there and had, you know, things to show folks when we got out there. So right. that's kind of where it stems from. But, yeah, but, but to answer your question even deeper about, you know, having a dream, you know, uh, and protecting your dream, it's, it's all about surrounding yourself with, you know, like-minded individuals. And then just be, and and then when people see your grind and see, I mean you, you get labeled as crazy uh-huh. people people clown you it, yeah. it's not like it was easy people yeah. clown you people like when you gonna smarten up and get a real job when you gonna walk away from this when when you gonna you know grow up I mean you hear all kind of things like that yeah and you, you do. have to fortify yourself and just prepare yourself like you know I have a much larger agenda than what's my what is my present environment. So you keep you have to keep remind yourself and it gets hard it's not like it's an easy thing mm-hmm. it's not like you bulletproof. But, you know, you have to recharge and tap back into, you know, what your intention is and what your purpose is. So, you know, you write things down. You have a manifest. You have a – I'm not going to say necessarily a vision board, but right. you have like a vision tally that, that, that you check in with. Say, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is what – this is why I'm sacrificing mm. what I'm sacrificing because I have a greater goal. You got you have to tap back into that because it's really easy to forget, especially over time. As time goes on and time goes on and – the people around you are growing up and going out and yeah. you know, living life, living living life and experiencing things. You're like, man, I want a piece of that. I want to experience some of that. But you have to you have to make decisions. Then, okay, if I do that, this will sacrifice my momentum doing this. So you constantly are weighing these 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 the spork in the road. Wow. Carl, and that's so, you know, I, I, you know where you got me at, talking about Robert Townsend gave y'all the map quest. Map quest. You know you took me back. You remember we had to print those maps out. But anyway, um, we're going to fast forward to what you were saying. About, that. <laughs> remember that before Siri? Yeah, we had to print out the maps. You're on page one yeah. of five, and you got to go through page two of five to get to where you need <laughs> to be. So, yeah. yeah, but you didn't let anything deter you. And again, like you said, looking at the, the, the end goal, if you will, because it will happen. You're looking at people like, man, like, I want that. Like, but because it happens, it does happen. And what has really, besides focusing on your end goal, what has really kept you focused to achieve what you've achieved? Because we ain't even got to the list yet. I'm getting to the list next. But what has really kept you focused on this journey? Just say this. It has never been a straight line. Mm-hmm. Anybody that thinks, you know, if you have a dream and a goal and a vision, it's not a straight line. You go up, you go down, you go way down, you go left, you go right, you go under, you go around. So you get you get put, you get get elevated, you get knocked down, you get punched in the mouth, hmm. you get kicked in the back of the head. You, get, you know, you get touted, you get clapped, on, you know, applause, you get patted on the back. All of these things are hitting you constantly where your, your, uh, your route is so 
and, and the thing about this industry, no one route is the same for everybody. That's right. You know, so what worked for me may not work for anybody ever again and so forth. So what, what kept me going, like I said, surrounding myself with, you know, that thought outside the box uh-huh. and, and believe that what is considered impossible in our environment is possible. Because people are like, man, you're from the south side of Chicago. You're from Hunter. Y'all don't make movies. You know what I'm saying? Who, who does that? We watch, we go to the show and watch movies. The show. Nobody does this. You the, know what I'm saying? It's, the, it's, the show. Yeah, the show. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a faraway dream of something you saw on TV and movie screens, but to do it in real life was like, nah, that, nobody does that. But like I said, I was surrounded by a bunch of people that they may not have understood the dream, right. but they understood the passion behind the dream and said, you know what? Y'all can do that. You can do this. Wow. Man, keep going. This is dope. People are like, man, this is amazing. Y'all even thinking like that. This is great. Uh-huh. Keep going. And we get it from random people. Random. You know our frat brothers, our family members, coworkers, thugs. I mean, I mean, it would come from some of the most unlikely places. Crack addicts would be like, yo, y'all on the top. Y'all keep doing that. <laughs> Girl. You know, and, and, and if, if you open yourself up to that and you receive those messages and focus on, you know, those messages and say, you know what? This little thing is just enough to keep me pushing forward. Mm. And also, you know, making a pledge early on in life, like, you know, this is what I want to do. I'm either going to do this or I'm going to walk the earth. So it was like, it was this or nothing. You know, there wasn't a plan B. You know what I'm saying? I never came up like, well, I'm going to do this, but then I'm also going to do this too. It was like, oh. nah, I'm going to do this. You know what I'm saying? And it, 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 it it's great now, but back in the day, there have been some times, just the moments when I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Wow. Mm-hmm. Had I just done this, I could be here. Right? Had I done this, I could have been there. But it wouldn't have been what I wanted. That's right. But I would have been comfortable. And we, and don't, we don't want to be I comfortable. I had to figure it out. You can't be comfortable. You got to be, you got to have some kind of discomfort, right? To reach that goal. Is embracing discomfort. Yes. Because your comfort zone is complacency and stagnation. Come on. Come when on. you're stepping out into new territory, you are not comfortable. And that's when you grow. That's when you find out what you're made of. That's how you find out who you are. So discomfort is, and that's a, that's another lesson I've learned through the journey. Mm. Is discomfort is beautiful if you have the right perspective. It's excruciating if you have the wrong perspective and the wrong attitude. But if you got the right attitude and the right perspective, you like yes, come through obstacle. Come you know on, man. Let me learn the lesson here, <laughs> so that there's no you don't look at it as a fail. You said I don't, I don't. The L's aren't losses; they're lessons. And if you really apply these lessons, they only make you stronger. And you get stronger, bigger, faster, and you built for anything. So that when something comes your way, like you know what, I'm ready for this. Let's go, Carl. I love that. And um, I, 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 earlier tonight we talked. It's been a, a action packed night. We got a chance to talk to the Illinois State Treasurer, and he even mentioned about you know there's no winner, there's no losers. It's winners and learners. So that's what he said. There, just you just learn. You really don't lose. You learn. That's how I feel too. I don't know. I think that that's important and i know you said about the no plan b and i'm gonna take you back i saw a clip now this was um s curl eddie murphy harlem nights eddie murphy on arsenio hall show so you remember he had the s curl you remember that that eddie murphy you remember him so he said that on the episode that he never had a plan b he never had a plan b so that's interesting to hear you say that people with plan b's you know what do you think about that do you think that it's a safety net having that plan B and you just took off with your plan A. I think plan B's are safety nets, but what do you think about it? Safety net, but I also understand why people have a safety net. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, first of all, and it gets, it gets much deeper than just having a dream mm-hmm. because in, in looking at Chicago in particular, you know, both my parents are from Mississippi and they were a part of that migration that came up to Chicago in the late sixties. So, 
coming from the Jim Crow South to the most segregated, one of the most segregated cities in the country, which is yeah. Chicago, and dealing with that level of racism, you know, it, it was about survival. You know what I'm right. saying? You didn't, you, you didn't have no time to dream. You got to work. You got to provide. You got to eat. You are so rooted in reality. Dreams are so further down the road. You know what I'm saying? Which is why I'm grateful for my parents. You know, my mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. My dad sold insurance. They both taught me a strong work ethic. And they necessarily didn't understand my dream, but they also were willing enough to get out of my They didn't try to stop it. You know, because your mm-hmm. parents, your family can kill your dreams faster than anything. Man, because they know you. Know you. Yeah. They know you. Yeah. And they'll be like, you don't, need, you don't need that in your life. And then also it gets to a point where some of your family members, like, they don't want to see you struggling. And they'll, and they'll hit you with, you know, you're so smart. Why are you doing this? That's Why right. are you enduring this? So <laughs> yep. you have to keep that in mind that, you know, sometimes their plan B is vital because you might be the breadwinner or provider for your family. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, at the time, I didn't have any children. I didn't have, I didn't have a wife or anything like that. It, it was just me. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to struggle and eat cereal every day, I could struggle and eat cereal every day. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how I set up my environment. But sometimes the plan B is, is, is vital for, you know, life always comes first. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you have to prioritize. You can't be like, I got to protect my dream. You got starving kids and, yeah. you know what I'm saying, you're about to get evicted. That's not even a reality. So you have to, but you have to be mindful of that. So I don't. I totally understand what people have a plan B in the fail space, to, so that you can provide and, and exist properly. But when Eddie Murphy was on Arsenio Hall, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I used to love Arsenio Hall's show. Oh, man, that was. When a he show. said that. I felt that, and I said, okay, you know, I, I was I was still in school when he said it. Okay. But when I got, but I remembered that, but and 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 applied that to my life. But I also kind of kept it in perspective because. Eddie didn't have a plan B, but Eddie also got discovered at the age of 18. Yes. So you got you have to keep things in perspective and say, okay, I'm not, one, I'm not Eddie Murphy. I'm not in, I'm not in front of the camera. I got a whole different journey. So, but I do want to apply that ideology, what I'm doing. And by, by me, and what I mean, I said, okay, I'm not trying to get married anytime soon. I'm not trying to, you know, have kids. Mm-hmm. Because once you have ch- children, everything changes. That's, the, it's everything. Just, that's, that's a big shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, and I, I can't say it's a given that everything changes, but it should change. So being right. mindful of that, you try to make sure you don't find yourself in a situation where you you don't have a choice but to provide. Because a kid doesn't understand, I don't have no food today because I'm out here chasing my dream. A baby doesn't, you can't say that to a child. Can't say you gotta, that. You know, you have to move accordingly. You know what I'm saying? So I, like I said, I totally understand the plan B. And also understand the, the mentality in the city when you come with a dream. Like, And this this isn't just for me as a filmmaker. It's also for, you know, musicians, artists, and so forth, mm-hmm. because that's not a normal thing in our environment in Chicago. Like I said, you coming up, Chicago's cold. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, 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 it, is mo- it is so rooted in reality that <laughs> dreams are sometimes considered a foreign entity. Mm. So you have to protect it. You got to cover it. Sometimes you got to keep it secret. You know yeah, what I'm saying? You, you can't really share it because some people are so angry that they're so angry at their circumstances they want to lash out and make sure everybody else around them is, is miserable. Come so, on, for you, know, that, you can't, Carl. you can't. Yeah, you're like, I'm gonna do this. I can't do that. Plus, the, you get more done when you move in silence anyway. So, tell the folks that again, really Carl. Tell them again. Oh, we did you just say that? You do get a lot more done when you move in silence, folks. Okay, Carl Seaton said it. Nowadays, in this, this social media era, where everybody wants to just advertise everything they're doing. And sometimes, Man. you know, some things just don't materialize by no fault of your own. So it's better to just talk about it after you've done it or when it's about to come out. But don't say, we about to do this, we about to do this. Just put your nose down 
and you know, don't chase the lights, just get the work done. Would you? you know? s- my goodness. And in this era of social media, you know, it's a lot more easier to share things. But I like how you I, and I even asked. Um, I had one of the Braxton's on my show recently. Just how do you as a reality star, how do you balance what you're going to put out there? And, you know, in, in this age of social media now, it's a gift and a curse. I always say that social media is a gift and a curse. So I put you on social media today, though, Carl. Yes, I did. Mm hmm. And I, I tagged you. Yeah, yes. Appreciate that. That's, that's that's not a bad thing at all. I'm not mad at that. I mean, you, you, I mean, so, that, social media is a tool, just yes. like our phones are a tool. And these tools can be used for greatness, and they can be used for terrible things. So that's it's not always a bad thing. It's right. just some people abuse social media and do things for likes, and likes oh, really gosh. don't have any serious currency in some in some cases. And Carl, people put so much on it. Oh my that goodness, it becomes a distraction. Did you say likes don't carry currency? Yeah, you can't cash out on the likes. Would you let folks know? You know you're dropping some nuggets. I mean, tonight. you might you might get an endorsement deal for a product of some sort, but they may give you some free whatevers. But, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have a redeemable value. Some people live and die for likes. And it just, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a I can't say it's a generational thing. I don't know people that are my age. I'm 40. Yeah. people my age and older they're doing the same thing that somebody that's 20 years old doing something. But I can't say it's a generational thing. <laughs> it's not. It's the ego, it's the ego thing. Yes. You know and that ego can cross you up. Just like the ego can be the difference between you seeing a fail and a lesson. You know what I'm saying? So you got you constantly have to check yourself, remind yourself of, you know, humility and grace so that you can be open for lessons and things like that. Now, Carl, speaking of ego, um, have you ever, has it ever gotten you? You know, was there a time when you really just felt like extra humbled? Like coming out there to LA from Chicago, I'm sure it was a big, big adjustment. So, how were you able LA to? LA was, uh-huh. was a huge kick in the mouth. Man, we, we thought we were. I mean, we we were not educated in terms of the business. You okay. know, the language of the business. We didn't know the language of the landscape. It takes you a good three to five years just to kind of figure out how LA moves. Mm. You know, what I'm correctly, and. You basically start from scratch, whatever you come out there. So it's very humbling. And, you know, you just, you know, you have to take it on the chin and mm-hmm. keep moving. Tyson said it best. Everybody got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. When you get punched in the mouth, now what? You know, you wow. got to regroup. And sometimes you got to take that hit. Like, wow, this this hurt. And then you regroup and get back in there. But, yeah, there's definitely there's, there's constant moments of, of humbling experiences that, that happen through, the life, through your life. And they are what build who you are, your character, your integrity, mm-hmm. and and who, where, you, where your voice comes from. You know what I'm saying? I, I clearly have several, so many different moments where I've been humbled. Like, wow, this is not how I thought this was going to go. And wow. So, and and you know, case in point, it's I had a one humbling experience. It took me three years to learn the lesson. Well, Carl, you know what I'm because, hold on for me, brother. I, you know what? I want you to bring me back because we got to take a quick break, and I want you to talk about that. Okay, when we come back, you don't mind holding on because I want you to get to this because you can. Really t- this is a story I want to hear. I want to hear this. So don't forget that story, Carl. Okay, when we come back from the break, it'll be we're gonna do a Chuck Willery two and two. Remember that? So we got you hold on for me. Is that cool? <laughs> Yeah. That's cool. What do you think? All right, hold on, y'all. We got Carl Seaton, writer and director. We didn't even get to the list yet because we're having so much great conversation. Oh, this brother is solid. Excited to hear more what he has to say. We're going to talk about that humbling experience when we come back. Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. You're listening to the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. It's your girl, Samantha Thomas. And on the line with me, I got Chicago's own Carl Seaton on the line. Carl, you want me to bring some Harold's Chicken? Carl, you want you want some Harold's chicken, Carl? I got you. You want me to send that to LA for you? 
chicken anymore. I, I, get, I let the chicken go. You let it go? Oh, man. I okay. let it go. Okay. I'm a black man, Sam. I'm, I'm, I'm a black man. Yeah. I got certain things go for, You do. For self-preservation. So I still mess with their mouth sauce every now and then, but I had to let that <laughs> fried chicken go. You put it on the fries, though? Is that what we put on? on we, are we eating French fries? What are you not eating that you, that you used to in Chicago? Italian beef, I'm sure that's gone, too. Beef, pork, okay. chicken. You let it all go. Every now and then. And when I'm in the, when I'm in the shop, I make sure I get some Luminati's home run in. I get my pizza. Okay. I get that cheese. I just suck it up when I got to. You know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> yeah, for the most I try to clean it up. You know, like I said, when you get older, you gotta you gotta preserve the body, and, and your diet has a lot to do with that. You realize how dysfunctional and toxic yes. our diets can be when you get older. Like you know what? Let me eat food for energy as opposed to toxins and things of that nature. So I try to eat a lot cleaner. So. And we don't yeah. understand it until we're not doing it anymore. And I'm talking about heroes. I'm messing with you because I, ha- I haven't had any in a while. And I always said I, I dropped 40 since September. And I'm proud of myself, but that came from changing those eating habits. We got some great food here, but you just have to eat it in moderation. So applause to you, Carl. I applause to you, but you did say Lou Malnati's. You didn't say to other folks. So Lou Malnati's, you agree that good butter crust, right? But you know, Gino's. He's I, listen. Gino's is good. I don't discriminate. Okay. I don't, I, and, and, and when I when I go home and get that pizza, uh-huh. I don't have a pizza by myself. I, it's not like it's me and somebody else. Okay. I can knock out a whole pizza by myself, and you know, I, them eight slices of mine. I'm like, I'm good. Carl, so, for real. Not, and I know it's a one time thing. Hmm? You eat all them eight yeah. slices by yourself. I'm I'm six four. I'm <laughs> six four. I, I'm a I'm a large guy. So yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yes, I will. And yes, I have. Yes, I have. Ooh, I'm yeah. not mad. I'm not. You know, I'm not mad at you. And I know we were talking before. I, I love. This is some good energy. You took me back to the plaza and everything. We had us some fun. We went down memory lane without even talking about everything that you do. But we'll get to that because you're taking us on a journey of just believing in ourselves. And I know we were talking before the break about an experience that humbled you. And it said it took you almost three years to get over it. You want to take us back to that? I had to direct a uh, independent faith-based film mm-hmm. in Chicago okay. years ago. And it's one of those situations where, you, you know, you get this opportunity, your spirit is like, nah, it's not the best move. Mm-hmm. But your pocket is like, this is the only move. Mm. We don't have a choice. And, you know, you battling with and, and as your spirit is talking, it gets muted by the, 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 the amount of lint in your pocket. <laughs> and you say, you know what, how bad can it possibly be? And it, it turned out being uh, a horrendous experience for me because, it was a, a, I mean, I, I care, anything I do, any type of project I work on, I want it to be the best it can be. And this turned out to be not one of the best. It's not indicative of my skill set. I'll just say that. Okay. It's not a, this project wasn't indicative of my skill set. And I, I had to live with that. Mm. And it, it broke me because I care about my work. I care about the products that I put out. And to put out something that I consider to be inferior was devastating for me. and was one of the biggest things I feared in life. You know what I'm saying? So that was what I considered a fail. Mm. And that fail rocked me to my core and pretty much stopped me. It shut me down for a little bit. And I say that to say my, I was so angry about the situation mm-hmm. and blamed so many other people that it took me years, number one, to even realize that I was dealing with depression. Wow. Then to acknowledge it was all my fault. It was all my fault. I can't blame anybody that was involved in that product project other than me because my gut from the jump said, Don't no. do it. Got loud, like, please stop this. Let, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Right. And I would ignore my gut, ignore my instinct, suppress it, mute it, and keep going. And man, did I pray. Man, did I pray. But like I said, it took me three years to learn that lesson. And I, I apply that lesson with everything I do now. So mm-hmm. now, 
if it's time to walk away from something, I got to walk away from it. Even with, even if that, like, man, I could really use this opportunity. Like, nah, I got to think long term, and I got to think about the cost of taking this immediate job. Right and now, I realize I don't have, you know, I don't have the currency for that price. No price is too high for me. I'm not subjecting myself to that inner turmoil and that, you know, that that angst I took myself through ever again. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Now, Carl, walk us through because I, I love how you're very transparent about even dealing with depression, especially as a brother. And, you know, a lot of us in, in our community, we don't like to seek therapy. We think you're crazy if you're doing it. How did you get yourself out of that? Or did you just start, you know, looking within? What did Carl do? All these things, because you're right. We don't really deal with depression like we deal with high blood pressure, right. diabetes. Because those things are physical attributes that we can see and you can address physically. They're mm-hmm. topical. But depression is mental. You know, mental illness, is, being bipolar and things of that nature, we, people can't see it so they don't know how to address it. So... And like I said, it took me three years because I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. I just knew I wasn't, I didn't have any motivation. I wasn't, the, the things I normally did, I wasn't doing anymore, which is odd because these are things I've been doing since I was 17 years old when I declared I wanted to be a filmmaker after I saw do the right thing. Right. These things were no longer happening for me. So I knew something was different. I didn't know how to put my finger on it. And, you know, that, it's, it's a process, man. And, and what brought me out was, uh, refinding my joy okay i had to go back i had to go back to the essence i had to go back to do the right thing i had to go back to the last dragon i had to go oh. back to breaking and b street and the warriors yeah 48 hours and all these movies and tv shows that i watched growing up that used to get me so excited about the process and go back to books and things that reminded me of how excited i was in film school and things that really gave me that genuine joy and that joy is what reignited my passion like I said, I didn't rush it. I took my time. I said, okay, so today I'm going to watch an old school movie mm-hmm. like Revenge of the Nerds. Uh-huh. And just laugh. Yeah. Let me just enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? So I just, it, I, em- I embraced that journey back towards my joy. And as that joy started to fill me, mm-hmm. my passion came shortly after that. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, and, 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 but I went to therapy years later. I didn't, I didn't just say, I'm good. I said, no, nah, because of this level of depression, therapy is a necessity, especially, man, black folks in general need therapy more than anybody. Yes, based do. on the systemic oppression we've been faced with for 400 years. Yep. And, but you're right. There's so many of us to look at it as being weak and something we don't need. And we, we self, we self-medicate through alcohol, through drugs, through religion. And these things don't necessarily address the real issues. Mm-hmm. And these real issues are only addressed when you, when you get them out. We're so used to burying things that these, when you bury these issues, mm-hmm. people be wondering where their stress comes from or where that cancer comes from. It comes from burying things that you buried for so long that wow. you don't even think they're buried anymore. You know what I'm saying? And therapy, when, when it's done the correct way, therapy allows you to pull back all these things, to, uh, to unpack all this luggage and we, these weights you've been carrying around for so long that you don't even, you don't even consider it weight anymore. But it's, it's added weight. It's just a part of who you are. And when you start unpacking these weights, you lighter, you know what I'm saying? You move faster, you know what I'm saying? You just have a whole different energy level, and you just you just more efficient about yourself, and you're just a, a better person overall. Oh, but wow. it, and and I'm not gonna say going to therapy was easy because it was not. Uh-huh. It, it took me several therapists. I need. I said I I I, I had to be specific. Right. I, I wanted an African American man I could talk to that's older than me. That that's just for me to kind of be comfortable. And even then, with, with and it took a couple of. of couple of different therapists to pick one mm. 
chose, it took us about two months before we to really find your started therapist. Okay. dialogue. Okay. And early on how to keep everything close to the vet. So we're taught to cover. We're taught to hold things. Yes, in. we are. We're, we're taught to bottle things up, especially as African American men. So just find yourself in a safe place where you can totally open up without judgment, without being attacked, without being ridiculed. It hmm. takes a little while because the older you get, the more on guard you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and people, you know, guard that with their lives. So, like I said, it wasn't easy for me. Just like I can imagine, it isn't easy for anybody. But and it was a slow process. And him being a great therapist knew that and said, we're going to take all the time you need Aww. so that when you are comfortable, it'll be even more of a journey. And, I mean, the, the journey became leaps and bounds once we had those breakthroughs and we had these moments of connection and trust that allowed me to create a, uh, that allowed me to stand in an environment where I could, you know, stand in my truth, speak my truth, mm -hmm. and be honest about certain things that may not be pretty, things about the environment, things about myself, everything like that. And that allowed me to just keep elevating and keep growing. And, and Carl, as you've as you've grown, so has your resume. So you taking us back to these movies, and I'm sure they was on VHS. Maybe some of them was on Beta that you was watching. Some of these movies, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we had a yes. Beta. Thought we was doing something with that Beta. I remember my my day about that. I'm like, what we got happening here, man? You have a Beta and a VHS. You can record these movies, bro. Not a floor Come on now. <laughs> and yes. we was living. Yes, we were living. So from that, and you know, and and I, I'm thank you so much for sharing your story about um the transparency with seeking help. You know, because that especially for brothers, that's important. But Carl, I know. We've, we've touched the surface of what you've done. You know, you said Robert Townsend, at the time you were hanging with like-minded people, Robert Townsend said you needed to get out to L.A. Was this Hollywood shuffle, Robert Townsend? Was this post-winky-dinky dog, Robert Townsend? You know, this, like, was, uh, <laughs> this was, this is this is late 90s. This is, uh, I forgot the name of his sitcom. What was it? Yeah. Uh, Parenthood. On the WB. Parenthood. Yeah, it's Parenthood. Yeah. Parenthood, Robert Townsend. Uh, Parenthood, Robert Townsend. I done took us yeah. back to Winky Dinky Dog. Shout out to John Witherspoon with, with that one. I took us back. One of the films I went back to watch, because I, I can recite that movie. I could, If you Man. put it on at any point, I know it by heart. I don't even have to watch it. I can just start reciting. That uh, one, Five Heartbeats. Yes. School Days. I mean, I, there's school a litany of films that I saw coming up. And not just African-American films. I, there's classes across the board mm -hmm. that I could just watch. And I would just study and just enjoy the, the story unfolding. Shawshank Redemption, Carlitos oh, yeah. Way. I'm not going on and on about it because I would consume movies. But, yeah, that was uh, Parenthood, Robert Townsend. Okay. That I'm talking about. So, and when you, you, you get out here, you're L.A., but everything has happened. And, and, and post everything you see in your therapist, did you notice more doors start to open for you? With even just, like, how long have you been working on the Chicago shows, the PD, the Chicago Fire? How long have you been directing those shows? First episode of PD in 2017. I've okay. done. I was working on my seventh one when the pandemic hit, and we had to pull the plug on the season. So I didn't. I never had a chance to shoot my seventh episode. But I've done six six episodes of PD, two of Fire, one of Med. So in Chicago. Now, Carl, and and we've talked. We 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 shot the breeze. We took us back. We did everything. You and I. We've had a great conversation. How does it feel, full circle, for you to come back home doing? what you love to do. Like, how does that, how does that feel? It feels amazing. Words really can't put, you can't really put in the words yeah. how it feels to, to, to work so hard for something for so long mm -hmm. and to, to, to be there. Like I, 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 I'll give you a story. Okay. When I, was shoot, when I was, I was in Chicago working on my first episode and you know, when you come, when they fly you out, they put you in a really nice apartment building, you mm -hmm. know, with a balcony and a great view and you on the high rise and gold coast and, 
downtown and things like that. I remember as a kid, when we drive from downtown, how I always want to live downtown and things yeah. like that. So I'm in Chicago. I'm working in my living room of this apartment on this, on this, my first episode. And I just look around and I look out the window and it just, you know, it, just, it, it overwhelmed me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because all these years and all this effort, <laughs> all this money and all these risks you take and these challenges and, and, and these unknown variables like will I make it? Will it happen? Will it not happen? And so forth. And to be in that to be in that moment, it just overwhelmed me. And I broke down no, and gave did. thanks to, you know, to the universe mm-hmm. for, for putting me here. You know what I'm saying? So so it's just it's twofold. I'm extremely grateful for these opportunities that I've been given and that I and that I can do this for a living, which is what I, what I always wanted to do. But the second part is it's an obligation because I can't just rest on that. Right. Like I did it. I got to open the door and pull up some other folks too, because I'm constantly reminded that the hustle continues and the struggle is still going for so many other people. So me to just sit back like a, a king mm-hmm. on my throne and say, yeah, I did that. It's selfish and, and, and short-sighted. And I have a much higher purpose than that. So I'm constantly mindful of that as well. So it's a celebration. Yeah. Number one, but then it's acknowledgement that, you know, the struggle continues and it is my obligation to keep moving forward help other folks as well. Carl, see, I think that right there, you know, and, and again, being transparent and shout out to you um, saying that you broke down. Cause I probably, I almost broke down. Listen to you said, because when I asked you the question, you got quiet for a second because it's just some, one of those things you can't put into words, you know, it, you really can't, but I like how you saying you have an obligation to help the next one come up because that's what it's about. And I think a lot of us, you know, we kind of rest in it, and then that's when I just know things can be snatched from you in a minute. So I just always continue to work hard and, and help the next person and, you know, hopefully be a light in that respect. Um, I'm going to take you back to 2016. I interviewed you. You are on my Instagram probably. I had to go back and find the clip, but we met when you did Bad Dad Rehab. You probably don't remember that, but that's all right. I just knew you had on a, a sharp suit, just sharp. You know, that's what we say in Chicago when you're sharp. That's some Chicago stuff. You were sharp. Carl Cena needs suits. <laughs> I did. I met you. We were in Pasadena, and uh, it was at the dinner. You know, they do the dinner before. And I got it. I was nominated for an Image Award. You yes. were? Yeah. Nominated for an yeah. Image Award. And I remember they brought you to me. But I have to find, I'm, it's on my Instagram. I just got to scroll back. I'll, shoot, I'll probably share it, like, for TVT and tag you in it. But throwback Thursday. But, honestly, you just were so cool. And I did a Chicago quiz with you, which I always do with people. You passed it with flying colors. I said, "Who is that?" Yeah, if I didn't know Carl Sutton, I knew the answer. <laughs> What's up? Listen, I, I'm not from the suburbs. Come I'm on, not from Cal Park. You ain't from Naperville, or Dalton. What? I'm not from Naperville. <laughs> I'm from West Pullman. Come on, I'm from West Pullman Park. You know what I'm saying? I grew up over there, West Pullman. I played ro- baseball in the Little League. Shout out to Mr. Pippen and the White Sox. I'm that guy. <laughs> what, what, what high school? I grew, I grew up with the comedian. Rodney Perry. Oh yeah. And B. Cole. We all grew up together. You know what I'm saying? All of us came up together. So I'm I'm I am a regular dude from the yes. south side of Chicago. And that's why whoever's listening to this, please understand I am no magician. I'm mm. no magic man. I'm not a superhero. I'm from the south side of Chicago. I'm a kid that had a dream and I was told to dream big and go after that dream with a whole bunch of work, effort, and the right attitude. That's it. That's oh, that's who I am. So I am not a suburban kid. By any stretch of the imagination, I'm, I'm a regular Chicago cat that is, you know, through and through. You wrote the CTA. You know what a token is. That's what it is. That's what I'm talking about, right? So you know what the super transfer is. I, I know what a super transfer super tra- is. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what that super transfer. Now, what high school did you go to, Carl? Where you did you go to? Carlos? I went to. You hear me? Yep, there you go, Carl. Okay, we start right on the high school question. What what high school? High school, a Catholic school on the south side. Which one again? I'm saying keep going out on us. Which which high school? I think it's the signal. L.A. is treating us bad, Carl. I think it's the signal. I'm gonna rectify that. Okay, there we go. There you go. Is that better? That, me now? There you go, right there. That's it. Okay. All right, here we go. Yeah, I went to uh, Brother Rice High School, a Catholic school yeah. on the south side of Chicago. I went to yeah. Maria. So there we go. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and that's when I, yeah, I, well, I, you talk about racism in the Man. Thing. Yeah, that was, talk about eye-opening. Yeah, that was very eye-opening. So, you know, that definitely gave you an even broader perspective. Oh, this is how the game is. Oh, mm. this, is, this is Chicago, you know, because in West Pullman and on the south side, Especially growing up, you basically just see African-American people all day long. Mm-hmm. And somebody that wasn't African-American, you saw them maybe on television or if you went downtown until I was in high school. Yep. And when I was in high school, we had a black mayor, so it was already polarizing. You know what I'm saying? I, it, we were in the middle of his first term when I was in high school. Here, Washington. It was very polarizing in the city. So yeah. things like that stick with you. And you find out, you know, you, you're definitely reminded and reaffirmed of your blackness very quickly. You know what I'm no, saying? Because, you know, you got to deal with racist folks in school, and you got to deal with the gangbangers on the bus on the way home. So it was a constant, it's a constant thing. You know what I'm saying? So wow. you learn how to move with your wit. You know what I'm saying? Your head on swivel at all times and things like that. But Chicago will, like you said, Chicago gets you ready. I know we said earlier, we, we know how to hustle. And I've lived on the West Coast for a little while, and that hustle comes in, in our favor out that way. You already know. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, our, our work ethic, we, I mean, we, we have, at the end of the day, we had this blue-collar work ethic. We get yep. it done. You know what I'm saying? You pull the sleeves up and go to work. And I, I apply that to everything I do, and I'm so grateful for that because I'm not afraid of hard work. You know what I'm saying? If, whatever it takes to get something done, let's do it. If mm. I got to get up early or got to be up late, let's do it. I'm not afraid of that. I don't run from it and things like that. And that, that helps me with what I do. And that also gives me, um, I'm not going to say it gives me an advantage, but uh-huh. pe- people appreciate your work ethic. Yes, they, they do. They see how hard you work. It makes them want to match that type of work ethic as well. Well, well speaking of work ethic, Carl, um, looking at your resume, we got, yeah, we got about, about five more, well, six more minutes to talk to you on the show. Probably about, I'm going to say about seven more minutes to talk to you. Did you get a chance? Because I know you did one of the episodes of Snowfall, which I am like a big watcher of Snowfall. Franklin, yeah. oh, I love that show. Been watching it since day one. Um, so you did the season three episode, and yep. did you three oh eight exactly? Yep. Did you get a chance to um, work with Mr. Singleton at all throughout your career? Well, that's that's interesting. You asked that, Samantha, because my you know I've been trying to get an episode of television. It took me eleven years to get into television, mm-hmm. and. John Singleton, who's also my frat brother, shout out to the Nukes, yo. There we go. Um, <laughs> that's right. Ski shout way. out to the Nukes. It's all yeah. about achievement in every field of human endeavor. I knew you was um, getting ready John to go there. Singleton, <laughs> yes, that's right. So John Singleton was a big fan of our first film one week. Okay. And we kept in contact through the years. And I knew he had some shows. He had two shows coming out in 2016 he was going into production with, Rebel and Snowfall. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I, I want in. I'm trying to get into television. He, this is the work that I've done over the last couple of years and so forth. So he gave me the opportunity wow. to interview for Rebel, and I got the job. That is what le- launched my television career. Look so um, my full circle moment was when I booked Snowfall last year because I was excited to work with John again. I had been working nonstop since Rebel, yeah. and it was all because of him. So it's funny because every time I booked the show, I would text him and say, hey, man, 
I just booked this show, and I booked this show, and I booked this show. He's like, yo, man, you ain't got to keep texting me every time you get a show. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, you because do. Because I owe you my career. He's like, dude, you ain't got to just, just stop, man. You don't need all that. I'm like, yes, I do, man. I mean, I would go by, him, go by his crib and go sit on his boat oh, with him wow. and talk all the time. And we talk about film and story and the business. And he was a great mentor. Mm-hmm. And not just a mentor, but he put his money where his mouth was. He was definitely, he was all about launching careers. And not just actors, because you, you know the type of actors whose careers he launched. He launched directors. Yes, he did. He launched makeup artists, hairdressers, cinematographers. He launched careers in so many different aspects of production that, I mean, he was a monument. So when I got here to prep on um, Snow, my episode of Snowfall last year, mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't around. And they were like, you know, he's not feeling too well and things of that nature. We didn't know that he had suffered the stroke and he was yeah. in the hospital. And we also didn't know we would never see him again. So the day before I started shooting that episode, he passed. My so goodness. I never saw him again. I never got a chance because I, I wanted to thank him in front of everybody but for Snowfall to let everybody know I'm here because of John. So what I did on our first day of production was got all the crew together. Yeah. And uh, Snowfall was a great crew and cast because it's very diverse. And everybody there had some form of John origin story. Uh-huh. And I got up and said, guys, I, I am here because of John. I would not be here in this capacity without John Singleton. So let's honor him. Let's respect him. Let's mourn him. And let's do our very best on this episode. And, I mean, this is, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life making that episode. And I'm extremely proud of it. And it was one, one of the, you know, it was, it, I remember when it dropped and how yeah. people were just hitting me up about how it affected That was a good episode. To watch the show. That was a good so, yeah, episode. Yeah, I mean, it, it was yeah. a strong episode. So I, and I'm really proud of that work. And it's a testament to, you know, John and his legacy. I, and I am, you know, I am his legacy. And I, I respect that. And I hold that dearly. You wow. Know and, I, and like I said, carrying that torch mm-hmm. and knowing I got to pass the torch on to some other folks that, you know, that deserve and belong to be there. That's my obligation. So I take that very seriously because he did that for me. And he didn't have to. He didn't have to. That's the thing. You don't have to do that for people. And you do that, you make it a point. Yeah. I, I got to work to inspire and hire. That's big. So well, that means a lot to me. Well, Carl, see, now I'm, that that right there was so paramount to hear that. And um, just the timing of it. It happened how it was supposed to. And I know we got about two more minutes to, oh, wow, that happened how it was supposed to. You got to where you needed to get in and, and to have work with John. And I respect that. You got my eyes tearing up over here, Carl. All right, now we're going to move on, okay? Okay. <laughs> Hopefully uh, we'll see some more of your work on Snowfall. But let's take you take us back. You got about a minute left. So that young man at 95th, on 95th and Western that do the right thing, seeing that movie, what would you tell him now? Don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Dream, dream big, and put the work behind the dream. And keep going. You can do anything you put your mind to as long as you put the effort behind it. My goodness. And educate yourself. And I'm not talking about going to school necessarily. I'm not, I mean, film school is cool, but the internet, like I said, the internet is a tool, our phones are tools, and, so, and social media is a tool. You can learn so much mm-hmm. if you seek it out the right way. You can educate yourself in almost any capacity if you seek it out now. So educate yourself, do the work, dream big, and, and support that dream with effort, energy, and education. Carl Seaton, you basically did the right thing by following your dreams, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I hope I get a chance to talk to you again. I really enjoy talking to you tonight. I, I, when you come home, you got to come hang out with me at the studio. Timmy Calderet. Yeah, I want to give him a shout-out, too. Timmy Calderet, because he posted that this would be a great interview, so I interviewed him as well. Another Chicagoan. 
you know. Wait, who, who'd you say? Who'd you say? Timon, Kyle Durrett, um, Queen Sugar, that show. Oh, yeah. My, uh, Tree, oh, yeah. That's my brother. Right yeah. There, yeah. You know, it's funny. Tree. We're brothers. We're twins. I've, I've been called him. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I've got people in my DMs thinking I'm him. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not Lord. Queen Sugar. Y'all got the wrong guy. Wrong Split, one. <laughs> but good company to be in. So, again, you did the right thing. Carl Seaton, 30 seconds left in the show. Come come by and visit us when you come home. WVON. I would love that. All right. I would definitely love And I look forward to doing that. I look forward to your definitely. Oh, my goodness. Check me out on Instagram. I'm going to tag you again um, if you get on a, a chance to look on there. You've been great to talk to, Carl. Thank you so much for everything. Okay. It's been my pleasure. My man, Carl Seaton, Chicago's own. You've seen his work on the shy. Chicago Man, Chicago Fire, Chicago Peter. He is doing his thing.